Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Go with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. I want to hit on something tonight that I believe we'll spend a few nights talking about. Uh, A few nights digging in. Amen. Isn't it good to dig into the word? Amen. And um, if you haven't caught on yet, if you've been coming to our midweeks for a while and you haven't caught on to this yet, this is a night to dig in. The focus of these nights, you know, we used to call it midweek Bible study right? Midweek Bible study. Because the Bible tells us to study to show ourselves approved, right? doesn't say to read to show ourselves approved. doesn't say to hear to show ourselves approved. It says to study. Study is a little deeper. Study is not just getting the stuff on the surface, but it's digging down and it's reminding yourself and and meditating on the word and, and really digging your heels in and saying, I want to get something out of the word. You know, I believe a lot of times in our lives, we quit things or neglect things or abandon things because we quit seeing the fruit of it. We quit quit seeing the results of it in our lives. And I believe in some of the most basic uh, fundamentals of Christian living and being a disciple of Christ, praying, you know, having a, a, a strong prayer life. How many of you know that's important? As a believer, uh, being in the word is important as a believer. Being in church consistently and continually uh, is, is important to a growing disciple and a growing believer. Sharing your faith. See, the, these things we neglect or we abandon because at times we might not see the results. And, and, and the quicker we are to abandon, the harder it is to get back into the habit. You aren't what you do occasionally. You are what you do habitually, consistently, continually. That's what really proves who you are. You're not a, a, a crossfitter, right? Because you show up once a month. You're a crossfitter. You're a gym rat because you're there consistently, habitually, and then it produces the results. And again, when we get into situations where we aren't seeing results, maybe in our prayer life or from being in the word consistently or from eating correctly, whatever it is uh, that we need to be doing consistently, then we fail to keep it going and it's harder to get back into the routine. But make it a routine this year. Make it a habit this year. Make it, be, be consistent and be continual and, and fight on and press on even if you might not be, be seeing the results in that moment. Amen? You know, sometimes we hit plateaus. Going back to working out, you hit plateaus. Well, you got to change it up a little bit. You got to change up the, med- sometimes it means you need to push yourself harder. You, you, have, you have met a level that at one point was difficult and hard to maintain, you're now, man, you can do that easy. It was difficult to lift those 30s. But man, now I can do that no problem with not even breaking a sweat. It's time to bump up. It's time to go deeper. And sometimes in the word, sometimes in our prayer life, I'll even go here, in your giving. Some of us, the tithe, no sweat. 
10%. There was a day where it was difficult to give that 10%. It was difficult. Man, God, I mean, I know I'm keeping 90, but I need 100. <laughs> and you get the tithing down, and it's like, man, this I got this. Now he wants to stretch your faith a little bit more. And see, when we aren't stretched, we don't grow. We don't grow just because we do something. We grow because it stretches us and expands us and we're advancing and we're moving into depths that we weren't before and and it's taking us places that we haven't been yet. That's where you're stretched. And when you are stretched, that's when growth comes. And we don't want to maintain, right? We want to continue to obtain all that God has. So Matthew chapter 20, I'm going to kind of lay a foundation here with a few verses. Matthew chapter 20, and I want to start with verse 20. Um, is that where, where I want to be? Let me make sure. Sometimes I can write these down wrong. I might be, well, let's just see. Amen. Matthew 22, I'm sorry, Matthew 22, verse 20. Matthew 22, verse 20. Matthew 22, verse 20. I'm going to be reading out of the New King James. Uh, Let's see. And he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Malachi chapter 1 verse 6. Malachi chapter 1. And uh, we want to look at verse 6. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. A son honors his father. A servant honors his master. If then I am the father, this is God speaking to his people, where is my honor? Everyone say my honor. Where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts to you priests who despise, everyone say despise. The opposite of honor is to despise. The opposite of honor is to despise. If you go over one more chapter, Malachi chapter 2, he opens with verse 1. And now, O priests, this commandment is for you. And if you will not hear, and if you will not take it to heart, To give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have cursed them already. He says this, because you do not take it to heart. If you got a Bible, you can write it and underline, highlight, star, underline that, circle it, parentheses, whatever you do. Because you do not take it to heart. The last verse that I have for you, Uh, laying this foundation, Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13 and verse 7. We've heard this one quite a bit recently. 
It says, render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. Starting out in verse one, it talks about, you know, honoring the governing authorities, honoring those that God places in authority over you, and you are honoring the position, not the office, amen. And so I hope you've taken some time in the last month or so to be honoring according to the word of God and lifting up those uh, that are in authority over us, whether you voted for them or not, whether you put them there or not, whether you like them or not, whether you agree with them or not, we are to honor, we're to pray for, we're to uh, uh, speak life over and speak life into. Amen. Amen. So these passages show us that honor is a very valuable thing to God, number one. And number two, we see that God is due honor. God is due honor. God values honor and God is due honor. There are just some things that belong to God. There are some things that you ought to be offering to God in your life. The Bible tells us that we are to worship the Lord. Worship belongs to God. You should be finding yourself not just because you're being led by a band on on a stage, but because you love the Lord and you are uh, 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 seeing his faithfulness and his favor in your life. You worship the Lord because of who he is. Not because of what he's done, but simply because of who he is. The Bible tells us that thanksgiving belongs to God. We should enter his courts with praise. We should enter his his courts, not leaving his courts, entering his courts, coming to him with praise and thanksgiving. Amen. The Bible tells us that honor belongs to God. Honor belongs to God. And we identify that the, the opposite of honor is to despise, is to neglect. Now, if we go through the Bible and we look at all the different items and all the different uh, people and all the different figures and all the different authorities that are in our lives that God tells us to honor, we already read a few of them. We are supposed to honor God. Uh, Servants are supposed to honor their masters. Employees are supposed to honor their employers. Children are to honor their parents. Parents are to honor their children. Husbands are to honor their wives. Wives are to honor their husbands. Amen. I probably hit on one that you struggle with a little bit already, but that's okay. We're to, we're to honor. We're to honor. I'm seeing some smiles. Smiles usually means you just stepped on my toes. You just you, you got me in the heart. That's good. Just go ahead and put them out there and just, just you know, pull the Band-Aid off. Let's go. No, we have to honor. And when we despise something, despise means to neglect. Despise means to not give attention to. Well, I would put it this way. How you treat God's word is how you treat God. Because God and his word are one and the same. God and his word are one and the same. And so I want to give some focus um, in these next several weeks You know, we just came out of, and I was thinking about this today as I was kind of putting some of this together. um, Because the statement that came to me was, if you don't work the word, 
then the word won't work for you. If we don't work the word, then the word won't work for you. The word works, amen? We know the word works. When you apply the word to something. But, you know, I began to think to myself, how many people actually know what it means to work the word? What does that actually mean? And we could get varying answers. But I believe there's a process. I believe there's a process. You know, uh, some might say, well, to work the word means to apply it, to put it into practice. That's true. For some to work the word, uh, uh, that would mean to, to meditate on it and to focus on it and give it attention and look over it multiple times. That, that's true. But what does it mean to work the word? What does it mean to give the word proper place in your life? We just came out of a, a, a series, if you will, on discernment versus deception, didn't we? We've been talking about discernment for like, you know, three years it feels like. But I just, I just kept getting more. Just kept. In fact, I was, I had more and more and more to give, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that jumping off point that we left with, and if the Lord brings us back to it, then great. But there's so much that the Word of God says about discernment, developing your ability to discern, and I believe this is a primary, a primary. Focus is if we don't give the word of God proper place in our life, then it really won't ever matter what else you entertain in life. If you don't value the word of God, the commands of God, the principles of God, the direction of God, the guidance of God by the Holy Spirit, by his person that that will live in you and then fill you and then come upon you, as we talked about this past week. If we don't honor that, if we despise that and neglect that, then I I believe we're prime candidates for being deceived. Prime candidates. And so this subject of honor is valuable to the Lord, valuable to God. And I have found that when you honor something, you give it time. You give it time. When you really honor something, time is usually what it will cost you the most. When you honor a spouse or you honor your children or you honor your employment or you honor a a habit, if you honor something, what it will cost you the most is time. Not finance, not resources. I believe people spend a lot of money on stuff that they don't really honor because the time principle never shows up. In fact, I know people that would rather pay a great deal in finance so they don't have to give time to it. To avoid having having it cost them the one thing that I believe is the most costly, but also the most beneficial. I believe what we spend our time with reveals what we honor. I believe time is the biggest element. So far we've seen that God values honor. God is due honor. And when we honor God, we must honor his word because God and his word are the same. 
And when you truly honor something, it will cost you your time. Not just effort, not just finance, not just resources, not just inconvenience or discomfort. I mean, there's some people that they will, they will even, uh, you know, endure a short period of inconvenience. But are, will you really put in the time? I believe the time is the focus. And so I want to talk tonight about think time. Think time. I believe we have um, in the church, and, and I've seen this really play out last year. When, you know, just about the entire world shut down in some form or capacity. I mean, we even, you know, we, we quit having um, our regular Sunday services in the month of April. It was really the entire month of April. And we had one gathering service for Easter where we drove in to the parking lot. Y'all remember that? That was almost a year ago. Can you believe that? That's incredible. It feels like yesterday that we were putting that on. And uh, I mean, I was in Florida when we decided we were going to do that. And literally in three days, it all came together to, to make that service happen, get it on the radio, broadcast it. Uh, you know, people invested their time and their effort and their finance and their resources to make that. And, and, but the rest of, of April, I was, you know, strictly online. Strictly online. I would go and I would record a service, um, pre-record it in Florida, in St. Augustine, Florida at our church down there because I was already driving down there every weekend to teach a class, which I'm getting ready to, to do again. And for nine weeks, I drive down there a Sunday afternoon while you guys are taking your Sunday naps. I'm driving down to St. Augustine and I'm teaching for about four hours. And then sometimes I turn around and come back and sometimes I stay the night. Well, said, hey, I'm already down here. You guys have all the recording resources and, and, and all the stuff. Why don't I just stay over you guys record me, and then we can broadcast it Sunday morning, you know, on YouTube and Facebook, as if at you know at that appointed time. Not just put it out whenever, so you could just get on whenever. But you treat Sunday morning as valuable, just like you would if we were coming, and let's, and that was awesome. But we were extremely intentional to get back to gathering. In fact, most of y'all might not even know, but on the Wednesday nights, uh, because our governor of Georgia had put out a thing that he wanted no more than, um, I think it was 10 people, you know, in, in a building, you know, uh, no gatherings larger than 10. And so throughout the month of April, even though we were closed on the weekends, I got 10 people and we came in here and we prayed uh, for about an hour, hour and a half, you know, had a great time together. Myrna, you, you were a part of that. Um, ben and Barbara, y'all, y'all came out to some of those. Uh, it was awesome. I said, we'll gather in any way we can gather. But back in May, we, we reopened and we did it slow and, you know, uh, brought things back in slowly. Um, not as slow as most people, but we, we opened up. Amen? Well, what I'm getting to is in the midst of all that, what we saw was that people 
were taking the time to be in church. And then when the doors closed, some didn't make it back. And we were even live streaming for a couple months. And I, and I get asked this probably almost every week. Do you live stream? Why don't you live stream? Why, aren't you on, why don't you broadcast your messages? Live stream. I've got my reasons. And I'm not going to get into those because, uh, uh, you know, we're just not going to go there. But one of the reasons was I found people that could come chose not to. And one of the dangers of church and one of the dangers of coming to a church service is that we treat it as this restaurant where we go and we get a meal and we pay for it at the end and leave. And church was always meant to be more than that. First off, the church isn't a a building. It's not an organization. It's not an event. The church is a people, right? We know this. We say this all the time. And people were even using that. Well, you know, we don't have to gather because the church is the people. The church is the nation. It's not about coming at a certain time. It's not about doing this. That's great. That's great. But there is a coming together that the Bible declares and demands that brethren, believers, ought to be partaking of consistently and continually. The second part of that is this is a church service. This is not church. We say we're going to church, but this is a church service. A church service offers far more than just the preaching and the teaching of the word, coming and getting taught and getting spiritually fed. It offers connection. It offers fellowship. It offers a time where we come together corporately. We pray, we praise, we worship. People have an opportunity to respond to the voice of God just like they did this past weekend. I think we had 10 filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and one uh, new birth. That's incredible. That's incredible. That happens in a church service. Another uh, awesome element about church services is your gifts, talents, and abilities get to flourish and come out because you get to serve. Because there are no, uh, 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 we're not, we, we, we don't get saved to sit. And so you come and you receive, somebody's pouring into you, whether it's in a parking lot, at a door, into your children, uh, on a stage, uh, blessing you with praise and worship, running sound, whatever it is. And so then we get to give back into that. Well, all those other elements are missed when you're sitting on the other side of a TV screen. Now, yeah, you can get the preaching and the teaching of the word. We can provide that. But the second that I saw that there were still some tricklers that I knew could be here and weren't here, I pulled the plug on the live streaming. Also, the majority of our church had come back. It was very few, very few that had maintained that. And I was incredibly blessed. We were incredibly blessed with the response of our church coming back. I mean, one of the biggest things was when we opened our children's ministry back up, then it was like, okay, Pastor Mark, I want to be there, but my kids are. You don't want them in your service. You don't want them. And I tell you, you can bring them. Don't bother me. But they're bothering somebody. I get it. I got two kids. They bother people. They bother people. Cannon will sit right there and he'll just stare right at you. And you'll be like, what are you looking at? 
yeah, they bother people. I get it. That's why we got ministry for them. And we've got wonderful, awesome teachers that are back there investing and caring for them and pouring the word of God into them and speaking life over them. They're not babysitting. They're not just cleaning up after them. They're pouring the life of God into them. They're getting what you're getting in here. They're getting back there. Amen. They might teach you something on the way home tonight. Go ahead and ask them. Amen. Okay. So there's other elements. Well, the focus, I I, I told this to our leadership several years ago, the focus of what we do, everything we do from the parking lot attendants to the worship, to the way we greet you coming in the doors, everything is to prepare your heart to receive the word of God. Everything we do is really for this moment right here. I've said it before, but I believe that the church service is the education center for believers. This is where you come and you get educated. This is where you come and you get equipped. And this is where you come and and you are fed the word of God that builds you up, that, that corrects, that instructs, that directs, that guides. This is the education center. I could care less if people flood the altars. Of course we want to see that. But what really blesses me is when we take it out there and do it. If we leave it in here at the altar and we're not witnessing, we're not leading people to Christ, we're not getting them baptized with the Holy Spirit outside in those realms, if we're not laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover in the world, if we, if we have this idea we have to bring them to church, they have to come to church, we have missed it. We have failed. It doesn't have to happen on a time slot of 7 to 8 on a Wednesday night or 10.30 to 12 on a Sunday morning or when there's a special revival service or a special guest minister. It can happen in your cubicle. It can happen in Target. It can happen in Publix. It can happen on your sports, on your kids' sports fields. It can happen in everyday life, and it should. I love Acts chapter 3 where it says Peter and John as they were on their way to the temple saw a man lame, and they prayed for him before they even got in. They didn't even wait to get to church. They're on the way to church. Isn't that incredible? And so everything here is designed to teach and to equip you and to pour the word of God, and we will have awesome times in the Holy Ghost. We will have amazing times in the Lord. We'll have times where where we'll be on our face before the Lord. We'll have times where we'll run and jump and scream and just excited about what the Lord's doing. We'll have uh, uh, times where we may not even get to that, but the focus is to be the word of God going into the believer and strengthening and building them up so when you walk back out those doors, Brother Hagin used to say it all the time, you can run, you can dance, you can shout, you can jump, but when you land, you better be able to walk straight. What's he mean? You better be able to live the Christian life when all the hype is gone. When the worship team's not up here, you better be able to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You better be able to worship in your car. You better be able to worship when you get the bill in the mail. You better know how to respond there. Don't wait till Sunday. But it's about how we treat this. It's about how we treat this. Look in Mark chapter 4. 
I spent way too much time talking about all that. Mark chapter 4. This is the parable of the sower. It's also found in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, Mark chapter 4, let's start with verse 13. Mark 4, verse 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? This is an interesting statement. How then, how then will you understand all the parables? So he's, he's identifying this is the parable of parables. This is the key. There's something I'm sharing with you in this story, in this analogy, in, in, in this equivalent, in, in, in this message right here, in the parable of the sower, that must be applied to all the rest of the parables I give, to all the rest of the teaching I give, to all the rest of the preaching I do. And if you don't grab a hold of what is in this, if you don't get the concept and the principle in this parable, it will compromise your ability to understand everything else I have to say. How will you understand all parables? The sower sows the what? The word. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, everyone say hear. And you can underline it. When they hear, Satan comes immediately, takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise, verse 16 are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear, everyone say hear, hear the word immediately, receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, so trouble comes because of the very word you just received. Anybody ever found that to be true? Well, I shouldn't have gone to church last night because now I'm facing that challenge and I wouldn't probably face that challenge if I didn't hear that word last night. That happens. Tribulation and challenge arises because of the word. It just gives you something to fight back with. Amen. Because of the word's sake, immediately it says they stumble. Verse 18, now these are the ones sown among Thorns, they are the ones who hear, everyone say hear, hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear, everyone say hear, hear the word, accept it and bear fruit, some 30 fold, some 60 and some a hundred. In every single case I just read, they heard the word. They heard the word. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. In all four cases, did all four cases produce the same result? Did all four cases produce the same result? No. It's okay to talk back. I'm feeding you, feed me back. It's called feedback. Amen? When you hear the word, 
we should have an expectation of producing something. Amen? But in all four cases, only one out of the four produced a harvest. And even the one that produced, there was 30, there was 60, and there was 100. What determines this? Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears, everyone say hears, hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. Why? Because tribulations and challenge will arise because of the word. Amen. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears, everyone say hears, hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Once again, we have multiple Uh, images to look at. We've got an image of one that hears the word. This time, this individual does the word, builds a house on a rock, winds come, doesn't fall. Another individual hears the word. What was the difference? He did not do the word. He didn't do the word. Winds come, challenges come, Tribulations come and the house crumbles. And so we say, well, if you want to build your house on the rock, you need to be a doer of the word, right? We've all heard this. You want to be a doer of the word. So we can surmise, we can take a step forward. I need to hear it, but then I need to be a doer, need to do the word, right? James chapter 1, verse 22, you've seen it. James chapter 1, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. So all six cases that I just read you heard the word. I read you four cases in Mark chapter 4, also found in Matthew 13. And then I also read you two cases found in Matthew chapter 7. All of them. The the common denominator in every single case is they heard the word. They went to church. They listened to the podcast. They watched the YouTube video. They heard the word. We know that Romans 10, 17 tells us faith comes by hearing. And that word isn't just hearing, like having heard. It's hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. We have to continually hear. Okay? But even in our hearing, we're learning, I can't just be a hearer, even repeatedly be a hearer. At some point, I got to be a doer. He will be a doer of the word, not a hearer only, deceiving yourselves. But let's keep going. For any, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer. So if I heard it, but I didn't do it. I heard it. See, so far we've said we got to hear the word, produce the word. 
to produce the word, I got to be a doer of the word. I got to apply it. I got to live it. I got to practice it. Hear, do, produce. Hear, do, produce. But now uh, we're going to see another stage. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and here it is, immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Okay? Hear, do, produce. But if I'm not a doer, I won't produce. But why am I not a doer? I heard. This is now the seventh case I've given you of someone that has heard the word. He's not doing. It says he immediately forgets. Immediately forgets. So now we have hear, do, produce. But now we've just added another layer. Hear, think, do, produce. I have found that if we lack in our thinking, we will lack in our doing. And this is the element that we're going to dive into. This is some kind of introduction. But I have to lay the groundwork for you because we all know the, I got to be a doer of the word. I got to work the word, right? If I don't work the word, then the word won't work for me. Okay, why aren't we being doers? You know, most of the, 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 the believers and the Christians in our church and, and, and that I come into contact with, they hear. That's, that's the scope right there. That's the largest group. They desire to do. They want to produce. So why, I, why, I, I'm, why is my doing? Why am I not producing? Why am I not doing? Why am I not producing? Why am I not living by what I heard? I was just there on Sunday, and man, it was a powerful message. I received it, man. And just like those, those, those examples that we saw in, in Mark chapter 4, you receive it with joy. Immediately they received it with joy. They were so excited Sunday morning. But then it also says in James chapter 1 that he immediately forgets. You know why we forget? We neglect, despise, and abandon. We neglect, despise, and abandon. It's not the hearing of the word that honors God. It's not the hearing of the word that honors God. No, it's the amount of time we think on it. You know what is one of the most dishonorable things you can do to a person? Ignore, immediately despise 
what they said. If you want to honor me, even if you don't like my suggestion, even if you don't agree with me, even if you think I'm completely off my rocker, at least you could take time to consider and think on it. I will have felt honored that you took the time to think on what I brought to you. At least take the time. But, 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 but how many times do we immediately reject what someone has to say? And in doing so, it is dishonorable. It's dishonoring their word. It's dishonoring them as a person. See, we don't equate people with their word like they used to. And so if you would, hey, you know what, I, 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 don't, I don't know about that, but you know what, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take time. Let me, let me think this through. Let me see. Why? Because I want to honor you as a person. And I already may have an idea in my head of what direction, but I'm going to take time. Why? Because time reveals honor. Honor is always the most revealed and the most appreciated when it has cost someone their time. If I know something has cost you time, I know that you have done it with honor. Not just because you wrote a check. Not just because you showed up and did your part. No, because you gave time to it. Because you know what the great thing about time is? Maybe the not so great thing about time is you don't get it back. You pay for something, you don't like it, you get your money back. You don't get the time back. You don't get the time back. Now, God is great at redeeming time. He sure is. But when someone has has paid the cost of time, that lets me know that they have really honored what was presented. Let's look at a few of these passages and we'll wrap this up. I'm going to look at these in the, the Christian standard. Is that what this is called? I always forget. I just call it CSB. Christian Standard Bible. CSB. Uh, Psalms 119, 9 through 11. Psalms 119. Really, the whole chapter of Psalms 119 is really a book, honestly. But the whole thing is about the Word of God and valuing the Word of God. But look at these verses in 9 through 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your Word. Notice it doesn't say by hearing your Word. By keeping your Word. I have sought you with all my heart. I have sought you with all, that takes time to, ser- to, to search and seek with all your heart. That takes time. Don't let me wander from your commands. Here it is. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. So they weren't just a hearer and a doer and a producer. They said, I've got to do something between the hearing stage and the doing stage. I've got to do something in there. That's the realm I've got to adjust. That's the realm I've got to give attention to. That's the realm I've got to give focus to. The reason I have noticed in life that 
very rarely is a good choice made when you don't think about what you're doing. Anybody ever notice that? Most of the poor choices I made in life were because I didn't give much thought or attention or focus to it. I went into it whimsically. I did it without thinking. I didn't want to take the time to think it through. I teach our kids in baseball this. Think about what you're doing. Think about the next pitch. Think about the the position you're in. Think about who's on base. Think about how many outs there. Think. And you don't have to go to school for it. You don't have to get a degree for it. You don't have to be of a, you don't have to have grown up on the certain side of the tracks. Anyone can be a thinker. You don't have to make a certain amount of money, have a certain level of status, and you don't have to be, even be a certain age. Kids can think. Kids can think. We can all be thinkers. I want to move the church from hearers only to doers. But how do we do that? And we've tried so long to connect the hearing to the doing, and we've skipped this most fundamental portion. The Bible tells us in the last days, we will heap up for ourselves teachers. Guess what they're doing? A lot of hearing. If someone's speaking, hopefully there's someone on the other end hearing it. If you're heaping up for yourselves teachers, that means you're putting yourself in a position to hear. But how many, how many hearing people are we going to have versus how many doing people are we going to have? Proverbs chapter 4. Y'all with me? Amen. We're going to take some time to dive into this. We're going to take some time to look at this. Proverbs chapter 4, really Proverbs chapter 4 and chapter 5 really deal with this whole thing. But Proverbs chapter 4 verse 10. Starting with verse 10. Listen, my son, accept my words and you will live many years. I am teaching you the way of wisdom. I am guiding you on straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to, underline that, circle it. Hold on to instruction. Don't let go. Guard it for it is your life. What are we addressing? What you do after you've heard the word. That's what we're addressing. I just showed you seven New Testament examples and every single one of them heard. It was what we did after the hearing took place. I mean, you go down to verse 20. My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my, don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them. Health to one's whole body. Uh, uh, Proverbs chapter five. Verse 1, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Verse 7, he says this, so now, sons, listen to me and don't turn away. That means don't despise, don't neglect, don't abandon. Don't turn away from the words from my mouth. It's what we do after we hear that determines and look, I've done this for years, especially as a pastor. Man, they're just not seeing the results. They're not seeing the results. 
God is a results-oriented God. God is a results-driven God. He wants to see results. He once went to, he told a, uh, Jesus told a parable that a master went to a, 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 the, 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 owner, the owner of a vineyard, went to the gardener and said, get that thing out of here. It hasn't produced fruit in three years. Cut it down. That's God speaking to Jesus about us, saying, well, you're using up the ground. You're just taking up space in the earth. If you're not producing results, that's not my words. That's Jesus' words. If you're a tree planted in his vineyard, he expects you to produce fruit. And he gave you three years to do it. And you didn't do it. So he said, Shut it, chop it down. Thankfully, Jesus, merciful, gracious Jesus says, just give me one more year. I'll dig around it. I'll, I'll get down on my knees. I'll lay some fertilizer out. I'll, 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 I'll do everything I can. Just give me one more year. Producing results. But we have a, a gap from hearing, doing, producing, because we're not giving it the time to think on it. The time to think on it. That's where the real honor is. Ultimately, we can come to this conclusion. We'll wrap it up here. If we aren't giving the word of God think time, we don't truly honor the word of God. We don't honor God because we come to church, put on a podcast, listen to it in the background while we're doing something else. That's what happened last year. That's what happened. No, the honor, I just, I want to be a do, I want to do the word. I want to live the word. I want to apply the word. I want to see the word work in my life. I want to see the results. Where most believers are missing it is they're not addressing the think time. The think time. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.